What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, okay. hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. And Bob Holly now setting up that fence for Al Snow. Kick to the midsection. And now Al Snow battles back. Again, those kidney shots taking their effect on Bob Holly. Wow. And there's the right hand up underneath the chin. And there's that maniacal laugh again. The nut. And there's another stick across the back, and it hardly budged Al Snow. Al Snow been involved in many legendary battles in the Far East, but perhaps not as brutal as this one against Bob Holly. And now Holly's going to wrap him up in the fence. And here's the cover now. And this is over. Bob Holly has won the Hardcore Championship. The winner of this match. I can't believe it. New First Lake Federation Hardcore Champion, wins the Hardcore Championship and becomes the fourth Hardcore Championship in WWF history. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by Layton Sports Cards. Head on over to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash TMPT of wrestling and find out how you can win two spots in an upcoming SummerSlam weekend break over at LaytonSportsCards.com in a very special 2017 Topps WWE Undisputed Trading Card Box Break by Layton Sports Cards. 
Head on over to our Facebook page, get all the details on how you can win two spots in this upcoming break where you can win very unique and very exclusive WWE trading cards, courtesy of our good friends down at Layton Sports Cards. And a little bit more about that later on in the program. But today, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are so incredibly pumped to welcome in somebody who I like to consider a good friend of ours. Whether or not he feels the same way or we've earned it. That's up to him, but we welcome in Bob Hardcore Holly to today's program in an interview that, John, it took you a long time to finally get it scheduled, but a very, very new friend of ours in Bob Holly uh, really just absolutely runs the gamut with us. Bob is such a misunderstood and such a, uh, I guess you could call him a critically panned guy for some of the transgressions that have gone on in the wrestling business, but... When you get to know Bob Holly, you realize that this is the most misunderstood person in all of the professional wrestling business, and I couldn't say enough good things about the man known as Hardcore Bob Holly, because we got to know him a little bit in June at the Legends of the Ring convention in New Jersey, and from John spending the day with him and traveling to get him late at an airport in New Jersey... And all the kind of funny interactions that they've had in between, and we detail it in the episode, uh, through the day we spent with him and just all the crazy stories that he was telling both myself and John and our buddy Randy, who was helping us out that day, just all the great things that Bob Holly was telling us just really adds to the mystique of the Bob Holly persona. Because when you think of Bob Holly, you think of Matt Capitelli, you think of Rene Dupree, you think of all the, quote, bullying accusations and things that went on back in the day in the WWE. But when you think about a guy like Bob Holly, you got to know something. It was a different era. And for us to get to know him, we saw a side of Bob Holly that I think some of his closest friends have seen and the people that have gotten to know him. And it was an absolute thrill to work with him that day, but then also get him on the show and talk about a lot of things, including parts of his career, which a uh, very funny interaction between John and Bob on the show in regards to down memory lane and talking about points in Bob's very storied, very illustrious WWE career. But I got to say, one of my things that I really loved from this is just the personal interaction that we've had uh, since Legends of the Ring and how it's kind of conveyed on the show and how uh, he's very comfortable with us. And one of the things I love, too, is that he calls me Ian. And now, if you know anything, the Chad name is a gimmick name. It's a quote, uh, you know, character name. But Bob, he calls me Ian. He's steadfast in calling me Ian. And you know what? He can call me whatever he wants. Even the franchise can call me Ian off air and Chad on the air, which I love. So Bob is strictly calling me Ian, and that's always uh, it's always cool with me, but we'll keep it to Chad for right now. But John, as I welcome him in here, there's so much to talk about with Bob. He's just, he's such, like I said, a misunderstood guy, but a fun guy, and this is a fun conversation, whether it's talking about how he wants to break into a reality show, which we'll cover, uh, whether or not we do talk about the uh, near encounter at Legends of the Ring that did not go reported on, 
at the time between him and Rene Dupree that only if a few people knew about it, they witnessed it, and Bob's going to share it uh, on the air here. And, John, why don't you enlighten us a little bit about that incident because it kind of started while you were in the car with Bob, and Kevin Thorne was telling me about it uh, off the air that your car ride with him was almost like a pre-interview and I know that it kind of got Bob a little worked up. So when he got to the uh, venue, it was on like only Bob Holly could make it. So, John, tell us a little bit about that story, if you can. But also some of the other things that we have to look forward to in this hilarious interview with Hardcore Holly. Yes, Chad, the two-man power trip is back with a vengeance. And this time, Bob Hardcore Holly joins the show. Like you said, it was a long time coming, as we like to uh, say. But it was really a little bit of a joke on his part of why it took so long for him to come on the show. Like you know, he said to you, he said to me, he wanted to bust my balls a little bit uh, as I you know booking the show. He wanted to make it a little bit hard. He did not want to make it easy for me at all to be able to get him on the show, which is very funny on his part. He is a great guy. He really is hilarious. I I love uh, joking around with him and messing around with him and, and stuff like that because, like you said, he is definitely a misunderstood guy for sure. He's an awesome guy, not what people think of him. He's very, very funny, very comical, but he's also a straight shooter. There's no bullshit coming out of him. There's no uh, no crying, no BS. It, there's uh, an old school flavor to him for sure, and he's definitely an awesome, awesome guy. And it's pretty funny uh, thinking of him and thinking of other guests we've had. And there's there's going to be no crybaby bullshit from Bob Holly at all. You know, some past guests uh, are a little bit of uh, crybabies. I won't get into who, but Bob Holly is definitely not one of those guys. Definitely not fitting into that category whatsoever. He is great, and like you mentioned. You know, it was great traveling with him, and obviously we had uh, Kevin Thorne with us as well. But, you know, just talking to Bob off air or taking a drive with Bob or driving us to the show or going to uh, Legends of the Ring or going to WrestlePro, it was a real blast. And he's a great guy with a lot of great stories, and I do like revving him up sometime. You'll hear in the interview as well, he does get revved up by some of, some of my questions, and I absolutely love doing that. And I, I love kind of going back and forth because he'll definitely bust my balls, whether he's texting me or calling me, he'll definitely bust my balls as well so I gotta bust him just a little bit as well and as we were going to Legends of the Ring I, I, I you know was mentioning Rene Dupree and what Dupree had to say on our show about him just I wanted to get Bob you know get that motor running just wanted to see what he would say and boy the first thing he did when he walked into Legends of the Ring he beelined it right for Rene Dupree and he's like we have a problem here and you know uh, Sylvain Grenier was there as well and uh, Grenier was laughing and kind of you know uh, shook Bob's hand and said, oh, Renee's crazy. And Renee said, no, 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 we don't have a problem. Uh, you know, uh, there's no issue, blah, blah, blah. And Bob was basically, you know, being a straight shooter, you know, hey, you're talking shit about me, say it in my face. And Dupree was saying, no, no, it's okay. You know, there's no problem. So it's just funny to see uh, an old school guy like that. You don't see that a lot today. You see a lot of politicking and a lot of, you know, BS from people. But with Bobby, get a, a straight shooter that's not going to mince words at all. He's going to get straight to the point and, that's what you gotta love about him. That's what you gotta love about this interview. It's not very uh, formulaic at all. It's you know we're hitting the high spots. We're getting some great stories from Bob. Whether we're talking about Rene Dupree, whether we're talking about Matt Capitelli, whether we're talking about Al Snow or not, we do get some great stuff on Vincent Kennedy McMahon as well. Obviously, a lot of focus was on WWE and the WWF and his 15-year tenure in the WWF. Of course, we do talk about Brock Lesnar as well. I mean, we get into so many different topics. We talk about his book, The Hardcore Truth. 
so many different topics, so many different things that we discussed in this long interview. Went a lot longer than we thought it would. Bob was great to us. Really cool that he gave us all the time that he did. And we thought it was going to be a real short one. And, you know, we just got rolling. And, you know, our, the chemistry obviously was great at Legends of the Ring, was great at WrestlePro, and it was great again in this interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a really, really good one. Uh, no BS, no bullshit. Bob Hardcore Holly. Absolutely. And I can't, again, say enough good things about Bob Holly. Absolutely loved having him on the show. Absolutely loved working with him in June at Legends of the Ring. And hopefully we'll have more interactions and more with Bob Holly down the road. Because I know from John's perspective, we haven't even scratched the surface. But it's just uh, kind of fun just to shoot the shit with Bob Holly, if you will, uh, anytime. And that was very welcome. And we're so pumped and so happy to have finally gotten this interview out to the listeners here of the two-man power trip of wrestling and if you remember at the beginning of the intro here i said we have a special promotion running with our good friends down in altamore springs florida with Layton sports cards this is the second consecutive summer slam season that we are doing this promotion and if you're not familiar with wrestling trading cards today you're not familiar with uh the wrestling autographs the wrestling memorabilia cards that are out there i am an old school card collector so rich Layton and the crew down at Layton Sports Cards. I've been following them for a few years. They do an amazing job, and what they are offering our listeners, if you get over to our Facebook page, is the opportunity to win two spots in an upcoming box break SummerSlam weekend, actually the night of SummerSlam, August 20th, where two of those spots are going to have the chance to walk away with some pretty exclusive and pretty high-end WWE Undisputed trading cards. And WWE Undisputed trading cards are some of the nicest autographed cards and and, uh, memorabilia cards you will ever come across. And this year features the first ever inclusion of The Undertaker. So there is a chance that you can walk away with an Undertaker-signed WWE Undisputed trading card. And that's all courtesy of our friends at Layton Sports Cards. And you can follow them on Twitter, at Layton Sports Cards. You can go to LaytonSportsCards.com and find out more about all their box breaks that they do, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, Uh, They even do some entertainment breaks. There's a lot of cool things that they offer, but this is the second consecutive year that they've done this promotion with us, and I always love talking to Rich. I always love going over some things with him, and he's going to come on the show uh, pretty soon to talk about uh, a little bit more about what they can offer with Undisputed and some of the services that Layton Sports Cards has, and Rich is an old-school wrestling fan, so if you heard him last year, you'll hear him again pretty soon. But we want to thank him for giving us this Summer Slam promotion for us two spots in the WWE Undisputed Box Break Summer Slam evening, August 20th, over at LaytonSportsCards.com and also Layton Sports Cards on YouTube. So, with all that being said, John, as the music starts to creep in, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear the How Do You Like Me Now. But as the music starts to creep in, hit him with a little bit of two man power trip of wrestling business. And get it on over to our good friend, the one and only Bob Hardcore Holly. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. September 9th, the Subway one-year anniversary in Keensburg, New Jersey, with the hardcore icon Tommy Dreamer. October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy... Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 11:25 with Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado... A three-time WWF Tag Team Champion, a six-time WWF Hardcore Champion. He is also a former NWA World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Hardcore or Thurman Sparky Plug, but we know him as Bob Holly. Please enjoy. How do you like me now? from him and I wasn't going to answer him. I was just going to wait for him to call me a <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. I love that. Oh, my God. All right. Well, let's, let's get into it then, Bob. Let's not beat around the bush. We're all, we're all buddies here now. So uh, joining us on the line tonight <laughs> is now who I consider to be a great friend of the two-man power trip. He is not only hardcore, he could be one of the biggest badasses that I know I've personally ever been around. He's, of course, a former WWF 
WWE Hardcore Champion, a Tag Team Champion, an Intercontinental Champion. He is the one and only, it's in his name, Hardcore Bob Holly. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, thank you for having me, Ian. Hey, first of all, uh, since when did we, we become good friends? We were laughing. <laughs> we laughed. Oh, oh, cause, okay, okay. I guess that makes us good friends then. <laughs> no, we'll go with that then. That sounds good. So that means you have to call me and text me every day. Well, that's the uh, that's the John approach we'll take to the interview process, which we let we'll go a little inside baseball here. And okay. the way that John the way that John gets his interviews is he's some people call him persistent, some people call him. Oh, he's things, very but... persistent. John's very persistent. He texts me every almost every day until I would answer him, <laughs> and I would purposely ignore him. And then, and then it just gets to the point like, okay, he's not going to give up. He doesn't give up. I will give him that. He does not give up, which that's a good quality to have. Don't ever give up. That's great. That's awesome. And, uh, but anyways, he finally did land this interview with me, and, then, and it's a pleasure for me to do it for you guys. Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. And just so the listeners know, when we spoke, uh, we were hanging out in uh, New Jersey back in June, as we were leaving, Bob, you shook my hand. You said it was nice to talk to you. It was nice having a good day here in Jersey. But just so you know, when John tries to schedule his interview, I'm going to give him hell. And you did. And you know what? I commend you for, <laughs> yeah. for, for sticking to your word. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I kept putting him off. Well, I did have things to do and stuff like that. But I was actually just kind of dangling that carrot in front of him. That's all I was doing. <laughs> Great. No, it's terrible. awesome. It's great. I'm but you know, you're you're a busy guy. You know, you're always out there in the wild. You're out there doing your thing. So kind of bring the wrestling fan up to speed as to what's been going on in your world uh, while you're you know exploring uh, the wilderness. And you're uh, like I said, you're out there doing your thing out there in the wild. Yeah. I'm. Hey. Uh, a lot of things. A lot of um, what I do. People don't know. So I'm a big survivalist. I like. Uh, I study survival and. And study botany, you know, plants and everything, medicinal plants and stuff like that. So I'm into that big time. And I guess you could say I'm one of those kind of prepper guy kind of guys that, you know, are just waiting for, for, you know, what to hit the fan, and then I'll be ready. I'm prepared. I have, I have everything I need. I have my guns. I have my ammo. I have plenty of food. I have plenty of water. I have everything I need just in case. So, but no, I go into the woods a lot, and um, I practice all that kind of stuff. Because I, 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 I think, I, didn't I tell you, I told you in New Jersey at the, at the signing thing that, uh, that I was trying to get on that show alone. But, uh, didn't I tell you that, Ian? Oh, yeah. I know you I told, told you all that. No, it's, uh, yeah. And I've been looking into it since you said that, just trying to find out more about the show. And even from what you told me and then what I was able to kind of research, uh, I think you'd be <laughs> obviously a great fit for that show. Oh, I, I, th- I know, and I, you know, I know I would. I'm not saying that I'd go in there and, and kick ass and, and win the whole thing because you never know until you're out there what's going to happen because you're totally by yourself. Like this season on that show, and for the listeners out there, it's alone on the History Channel. The concept of the show is they have ten people out there and you're supposed to outlast the other nine and you don't know when they quit and you just got to, you go out there and, and survive with, and they give you, you have 10 items of your choice that you want to take with you. And that's all you get. And so I've, 
I'm a huge fan of that that show, and so my goal is to try to get on that show. Hopefully, I get on it. Cause, and right now, I'm in the process. I've already got some uh, video done for my audition tape, and I'm going back in the woods again to uh, finish up doing that here in a few weeks. I've got some bookings coming up, so I don't really have time right now to finish it. But in a few weeks, I'm planning on going back in the woods and uh, getting all that stuff wrapped up so I can get it the tape put to get get it edited and put together and so I could send it into uh the history channel. And hopefully they'll pick me as one of their uh cast members for the show. Oh yeah, no, we're rooting for you, no doubt with that. But one of the things I gotta ask you and we kinda covered it a little bit but obviously for the listening audience that wasn't standing between you and I while we were talking Kind of how do you get into the mentality of the survivalist and getting off the grid the way that you do? Like, do you mentally prepare for this or do you just grab your shit and just get on the road? No, I just grab my stuff and go. It's, you don't, because I, you know, actually I enjoy being out in the woods. There's, there's a whole, it's a whole different mindset. It's just, just like my, me and my wife go out in the woods a lot. Like we just got back from Door County up in Wisconsin and we spent a whole week up there. And now, let me tell you something. That's some of the most beautiful country you'll ever go into in your entire life. It's so peaceful. The people up there are so kind. Um, it's just it's it's just really really relaxing up there. And it's it's in between Green Bay and Lake Michigan, and it's just awesome. And we were up there for a whole week, and it's just you know you just you just uh, go out there. It's just so peaceful, and it just clears your mind because. You know, yeah, I, t- I don't take my phone with me a lot of places I go. My phone stays at home. So, and most of the time it doesn't work when you're off the grid anyway, so it makes no sense to even bring it. And most of the time I just don't have it with me. Or if I do have it, it's only for, like, if I'm away from my wife, that's the only time I do have it. But if me and my wife are together, my phone literally does not, is not in my hands or around me. So... I have no need for it. There's really no need for my phone, but um, it's just it's just nice to get out there and get away from, you know, because everybody needs to decompress every once in a while, especially like you guys, especially up in the Northeast. You guys are, like, getting it constantly up there. Like, you're humping every single day, and it's just that you gotta you got to decompress sometimes, and it's just good for – mentally, it's just good for you. No, you're like, 100- I could spend – I could – I could spend, I could spend, you know, and, and human nature is people need interaction with other people. I mean, it's just human nature. And for me, I have no problem being in the woods by myself. I have no problem at all. So, and like, like I said, a lot of times my wife goes with me. She enjoys it too, but she just, she doesn't do the extreme stuff that I do. So, and and of course, we bring our dog Abby. She comes with us too. She's an Australian Shepherd, so she has to go too. But so you know, we get away like that every once in a while, and it's just just really enjoyable. Yeah, and and again, like I was about to say, it's a you know a hundred percent correct statement by you there saying you know the the Northeast. You know, I always feel like we're always way too connected, and it's the kind of thing, especially you know with the 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 side you know real job quote unquote. Uh, that, that I have, I know other people have, you know, we got to be connected every two seconds. Somebody's emailing you, somebody's calling you, somebody's yeah. texting you. Yeah. But I told you how much well, I was envious. 
Now, now it's oh, right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Ian. Oh, it's no it's like um, now everybody has their phone in their hand constantly, and I just, just I and I get it because especially because that's your livelihood now. That's a lot of people's livelihoods is their phone, and that's how they operate. And it's like I go into the gym, and people are always fooling with their phones, and I'm like, okay, oh you supposed to be in here to kind of get away from that and, and work on getting in better shape and not worrying about your stupid telephone. Cause I don't, I don't take my phone to the gym. My phone sits on my kitchen table. It, I, it does not leave this house when I go to the gym. And, uh, and I just, it, but I, I understand it sometimes, but sometimes people are just cause I'll walk by and I just happen to glance over somebody's shoulder just to see what the hell they're, if they're, you know, doing an email or something, and they're looking at freaking pictures or something, or they're texting somebody, and it's like, why are you even in here? And so it just it just boggles my mind how people are so addicted to their telephones and social media. It's just and and like, but but on the other hand, it's that's their livelihood too. Like you guys, you and John, you guys operate off your phones. You do a lot of your business off your phones, emails and stuff to to clients and, and so forth. So, and, and I get that part, but when you are trying to vacation or something like that, and like I'll go to an airport, like if I fly somewhere, I'll see a family and they'll all be on their phones, not talking to each other, not interacting or anything. And I guess if they do want to say something to, you know, mom or dad, they'll text them a message and talk to them that way, I guess. I don't know, but it just it boggles my mind even when you go to a restaurant and sitting there and you'll see these families and every single family member's on their phone. And the whole point of going out to dinner is to be together and interact. And that, the, I guess that doesn't exist anymore. No. And like I told you, I'm envious uh, of the fact that you could do that, but also uh, one funny thing too, about our, our time up there in New Jersey, watching somebody ask you to take a selfie and watching your reaction to them about the selfie, <laughs> worth the whole entire day uh, alone just to see oh. their reaction. Bob Holly, not a fan hey. of the selfie. <laughs> it's not that I'm not a fan. I don't. It's I just don't understand the point of it because, like, okay, I see. Like, say, like, if you and I are together somewhere and you know trying to enjoy a moment or something, and it's like, hey, let's take a picture together, and nobody's around to take the picture. I see it from that aspect. Okay. But these people that stick that phone up in the air and take constantly taking pictures of themselves I, and posting, I don't understand. What are they looking for? They're looking for validation for some reason. Or they're, they're here's one for you. They're in the gym taking pictures of themselves, and they're constantly posting pictures of themselves working out or posing or something. And it's like, okay, I can get taking one or two pictures and posting them, but every single day posting pictures of what you look like what are they looking for? They're looking for validation for some reason, or they might have insecurities of the way they look, and they're wanting people to tell them how good they look all the time to make themselves feel better. I just, I don't, I, that's something else I don't understand because I'm not in the gym taking pictures and posting of myself. You know, I've taken, I've taken a picture here and there and, and put it on Twitter, of, you know, what I look like now here and there, but not every single day and it just it it god laugh it makes me laugh it, it really does it makes me laugh the whole and see the selfie thing and the reason i don't do selfies because i'm trying to be different from everybody else because everybody does selfies 
So it's like I would rather have somebody else take the picture than us do a selfie together because it's different because everybody does the selfies now. So it's like I want to keep it I want to keep it just me and that person and somebody else taking the picture. I like it like that. You know, and another thing that I, I noticed when we were in New Jersey is that there was an issue with somebody in that room, and you didn't let it just sit there. You went directly for it. Most guys would just let it sit, but you went right up to Rene Dupree, and you're like, what's Why up, Why did you man? have to bring that up? Is it even worth it? John, is it even worth air time? Really? No, probably not. Probably not. It, but but I, know, I, know why you want, I know why you want to talk about it, because it's, good, it's a good story, okay? Because I remember – yeah, because – all right, we'll just briefly touch on this, and we'll, we'll move on to something positive. Um, I guess Renee was on your show several months back, and he just went on this rant. Am I not – am I correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and he talked about several people, and my name was brought up, and – Said how he, if he saw JBL, he was going to beat JBL up and talked about Bubba Ray Dudley kicking him in the head 20 times. First of all, if Bubba Ray Dudley kicked him in the head 20 times, uh, he would have never got up. So that never happened. I guarantee that. And so, um, so Renee was saying how next time he saw me, he was going to beat me up. And so I was like, oh, Renee's here. Sylvan's over there. I love Sylvan, so I wanted to say hi to Sylvan anyway. So I went over there and said hi to Sylvan, and Renee was standing over there, and Sylvan, I can't quite remember what Sylvan said. And So Renee stuck his hand out and shook my hand. And I thought, well, hey, that was, you know, that's cool. And I did ask Renee, I said, hey, you know, what's, what's going on here? Because I thought you and me were cool. I thought we had squashes, we talked about it, and we got it squared away. And now all of a sudden you still have a problem with me. And then he just said very arrogantly, he goes, well, I open up this WWE magazine and I see where you're talking about, you're bragging about kicking me in the head. And I don't know where he's, uh, why he's stuck on this whole kicking him in the head thing because everybody – He's talking about everybody kicking the head. But anyway, and it's like, I said, Renee, I said, you know those magazines. I didn't brag about, you show me the magazine where I kicked, where I bragged about kicking you in the head. That didn't happen because, first of all, you know those magazines, they never talk to us to print their story. They just print their story. And it's like, well, you know, and just like whatever. And so I said, well, you did say next time you saw me, you were going to beat me up. I said, well, I'm standing right here. So what are you going to do? And he just, he didn't even look at me. He just kind of just had this smug look on his face and he just filled his chest full of air and tried to bow up. And, you know, Renee's a big boy. He's not small by no means. And uh, I'm definitely not as big as I used to be because I'm not on the gas anymore. I don't need that stuff. But, um, so I was, and so I asked him again. I said, "Well, I said there's nothing between you and I, but air and opportunity." I'm like, "Here, you're, I'm here. You, you can beat me up. Try." And he just turned and walked out of the room. And I said, "I thought so." So and that was pretty much the end of that. And you know, so but that's that's the whole thing. I don't know why you know he's so bitter and upset at everybody because 
I've always thought he was a great talent. I've always thought he was a really good heel. And uh, I enjoyed watching him. I enjoyed working with him. And like I said before, I thought him and I had talked this whole thing out and got it in the past and everything. And then he's still harboring, you know, hard feelings and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, whatever, dude. But you had your chance. I was standing there. You could have whipped my ass, but you chose not to, which was a wise decision. So anyway, but he's not. It's just, it was just all talk. So, and I kind of figured that anyway. So, but that, that's pretty much the story right there. Well, I don't think too many guys are going to be wanting to fight you, to be honest. Maybe Ron Simmons or, or somebody of that ilk, but I don't know about anybody else wanting to uh, get in there and fight you. Uh, me and Ron are friends. I'll just leave it like that. I'd rather leave it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you said you got to stay on something positive, so I guess I won't mention the new Midnight Express and you guys winning the NWA tag titles. I guess we'll stay away from that. Why do you want to talk? Everybody knows about that stuff. Let's talk. Let's talk about what you do for a living, John. What do you do? Let me interview me? you. How about that? Me, I work for Could a you... uh, pharmacy buying group. You work for a who? Pharmacy buying group. The pharmacy buying group. Okay, tell the the listeners at home what what does that entail, John? Well, it's basically <laughs> uh, basically you're going to be bored out of your mind with it, so we we won't go into that too much. Oh, okay. But we do, you know, I would love to uh, definitely talk about your career and, and some of the things that really stick out, especially from your time in your 15-year run in the WWF. Now, Ian mentioned former IC champ, but technically you okay. weren't an IC champ. You beat Jarrett, but they took the title back, and, they had, and you guys had to redo the match, and Jarrett ends up beating you. So technically not an intercontinental right. champion. Right, because I guess – yeah, it was it was a technical kind of deal. So I never claimed to be Intercontinental Champion, never was. And, you know, so I, I just, I never was. Never okay, was. Okay, I got to sneak, I got to sneak in for a second because, Bob, I, I brought this up to you. And the reason I will say whatever I want is because I, <laughs> of a Bob Holly fan I was growing up and recalled a story of a house show I was at in 1996 at the Meadowlands Following a match, the crowd went very silent for like a hair of a second, and I screamed, you did great, Bob, and you put your hand up in the air and gave me a thumbs up and left the ring, and I shared that story with you. So I will call him Intercontinental Champion. I will call him World Champion because he's Bob Holly, baby. So, and I'll always relive that memory anytime I see you. <laughs> Ian, you're the best. John, I like you too. Don't worry. We'll, <laughs> we'll, I'll, just, I'll pull you along with him, okay? You can ride the coattails, John. All right. And we can also say that you signed a very, very special autograph to me on a picture that is now hanging in my office at work that you said is a very rare and pretty much, I, I think you might have said it, and forgive me if I'm wrong, maybe I wanted to hear it this way, that you have never signed an autograph the way you did for me that day. Nope, you're absolutely 100% correct. Because people will have pictures and they will want me to sign it a certain way. And it goes back to my racing days. And I, I, I just won't do it. I refuse to. Because that's not who I was. And it's like, you know, I, and I know everybody had to start somewhere. Everybody had to start somewhere. And it's like those whole, the whole 
Thurman Plug days or just, you know, it, it was one of those deals where I had basically had a choice of either take take the gimmick or not fulfill my dream of being in WWE. So I took it and I just figured, you know what, I'll get my foot in the door and get it moving along and try to get away from it as soon as I can figure out a way to get out of it. And because the thing is, when like, when you're a, see back then, back in the nine, the ninety, because I came in in ninety ninety four, was it ninety four? Yeah, ninety four. I came in in ninety four, and that's when they had kind of everybody was like a cartoon character type gimmick, and you have to be a hundred percent comfortable playing that character. And if you're not a hundred percent comfortable playing that character, it's going to show through. And I was not never comfortable being that character. And when they started the whole hardcore division, I felt more comfortable because I could be more myself in a sense with the volume turned way, 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 way up. And it was just a lot easier for me to be hardcore Holly because I loved physicality. I loved the, the physical part of, what we did out there. I love the hard hitting and, and it was like, yeah, I was rough. I was very physical out there, but I also wanted, I welcomed it back. I wanted it back. And I, sometimes if I was out in the ring, I would tell them be hit me harder, kick me harder. And so that's it. I just, I really enjoyed that aspect of it because I've just always been a physical person. Even when I was a kid growing up, I was just very physical in everything I did. Now, obviously, you're alluding to Thurman Sparky Plug and that whole race car gimmick with the character. And, you know, obviously, it's a little bit of a, of a weird name with Thurman Sparky it was, Plug. It was J.J. Dillon's the one that came up with that name. And for the listeners that listening to the show if they're wondering if I really did race cars I did race I did race for a long time I was a track champion and everything and so yeah that was a real gimmick it wasn't just a gimmick gimmick it was a real gimmick I really did race cars so and and I enjoyed racing I really I love racing I still love racing today so but yeah it it it's one of those things where and I tell people all the time like if cuz it is a silly name it's kind of stupid and I tell people all the time, if your dream is to get in WWE and they give you a silly name, are you going to tell them no? And they always like, well, yeah, you're right. You know, I wouldn't tell them no. And it's like, yeah, right. Put yourself in my shoes. And and they do. And they understand it. They understand it then. Because you know, it is an easy name to make fun of, which I made fun of myself many times with that name too. But it was just a really easy name to make fun of because it was silly it was but back then everything like i said everything was cartoon character and then they started once the, the whole steve austin era came along then more talent started becoming themselves more and more and it was just a lot easier for a lot of guys to portray who they who they were in the ring that way now, obviously, you had a very long tenure, 15 years in the WWF, and you went through the, the new generation era, the Attitude Era. Was there any sort of change with Vince as far as, like, how he was and how he was backstage with you guys? Because it seems like a big leap from going kind of from the cartoon corniness to that, you know, like you said, that crazy Attitude Era. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I, Vince was always, to me, he was always the same. He was just always the man in charge. He had the, the last say. He knew exactly what everybody was doing at all times. And you didn't do anything unless you had his permission. I mean, you could do stuff, but if you had ideas and stuff and you wanted to try something, you had to run it by him. You just didn't go do something without his knowledge. He, I mean, he, he was, he's a smart man. He knows, he knew what everybody is doing, knows what everybody's doing. And, you know, I'm so far removed from it now. So I don't know how he is today as far as hands-on, but when I was there, he was a hundred percent hands-on. You could not get nothing by him. And he was always good to me. I have no, no issues with him whatsoever. He always took good care of me. And a lot of people always ask me, how was Vince and stuff like that? And he was, he was great. I thought he was. A lot of people have issues with him, but I never had an issue with him. Would I have liked to become world champion? Yeah, but I never got that far. And that, I think a lot of that was on me, not on Vince. Because Vince is the one that makes a lot of the decisions. And a lot of people say, well, don't you – you know, kind of hold it against Vince because he didn't let you become world champion? No, I, because he always took good care of me anyways. I didn't have to be become world champion to validate who I am or anything like that. To me, it's you become world champion, and it's like you're being told to be world champion. Yeah, would it have been nice to become world champion? Yeah, because a lot of money and a lot of responsibility comes with that. But I just never got there, and a lot of that was on me because I think I could have done more to help myself as far as get, get along further and get higher up. But I just, I felt like my hard work, just working hard my, and, and doing what I'm told to do every in and out every day was enough, but it wasn't. I, I could have helped my cause a little bit better by giving more ideas and, and being very persistent about certain things. And I just, I just wasn't persistent enough. So I just didn't fight hard enough for Hardcore Holly, basically, is what it amounts to. I mean, I worked hard enough to keep my job for 15 years, and and so, and so, I must have done something right because I lasted that long. Which brings me to another point is you, you see a lot of people hate, you know, a lot. I don't see too much, but it's it's out there, people hating on me and saying that I was a bully and I was I, – I took advantage of people and stuff like that. It's like common sense will tell these guys, which common sense is a lost art these days. A lot of people don't have common sense anymore, but common sense will tell you if I was that as bad as that they think I was, or people say rumors say I was, I would have never lasted 15 years because if you're at a workplace and you're a constant problem to other people, other colleagues that you work with, you're going to get your ass canned in a New York minute. And uh, that wasn't the case with me because if that, if that, if I was that bad as people claimed that I was, I would have never lasted 15 years in that locker room. I promise you that. I'd have had my ass whipped and thrown out a long time ago. So, but as far as Vince, like- he was Vince, Vince was great to me. I feel like that's like kind of like the newer generation. Maybe they're a little too uh, soft because the guys like you and JBL and maybe even Bully Ray to an extent, they're you know they're old school. They got that tough guy mentality. It's like you know you got to break into the business the right way. Nothing's going to get handed to you. I feel like some of these guys nowadays are a little soft. Yeah, it's just yeah, and it's 
just it's the way everything is changing. The whole society has become a lot softer. You offend people a lot easier, and the younger generation that they're just a lot of them don't want to work for anything. They just get everything handed to them, which that's just the way it is now. And there's nothing nobody can do about it. And obviously, uh, Matt Capitelli, like stuff like that. He even said, there's no ill will towards you, but you know, the fans will bring it up like, Oh, I can't believe he stiffed that kid. Oh, I know. You know, things yeah, like they that. Will. Right. And, and the thing is, I was just going out there and I was just doing what I normally do, do all the time. And, and see, in, in Matt's defense, he's, he didn't know me. He didn't know how I wrestled and stuff like that. And, and I, you know, I did, I did not mean to kick him and hit him like I did with my boot because my boot is what got him. And it's just because he was in a few – if you watch the film, it's like he was flailing in the corner stuff and, and my foot caught him, which – Accidents happen in wrestling, and there and I had no intentions of doing that, going in there and doing that to him whatsoever. Despite what people at home sit there and think that I did on purpose, that watch in their mind. But it, you know, like I said, me and Matt, me and Matt are cool. I hate what he's going through now. I, I it just it terrible, a terrible thing that he has to deal because he's such a good guy, he's such a good person, and a nice guy. I just hate that he's going through it. Al Snow did an interview on Xbox 360 not too long ago, and he basically threw me under the bus, said I just got in the ring and hauled off and just punched him and cold-cocked him and knocked him completely out cold. If you go back and, and listen to the interview that Al did on Xbox 360, he said I hauled off and just cold-cocked him and knocked him out. I did not knock him out. I did not touch him with my fist at all i gave him a boot to the stomach and i gave him a few forearms and backed him into the corner i never punched him in the face not once and i don't know where al got that from but all of a sudden now al's telling everybody i cold cocked him and it's like what 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 match was he seeing that that i didn't see or something i don't know but anyways i so and it's just funny so many there's so many – you get a different perspective from everybody, how it went down. The only two people that really knew how it went down was, was Matt and myself and the people there watching. And if it was so terribly bad, then why didn't anybody step in to stop it? That's the question I have. If, it, if what I was doing was so bad, how come Al didn't step in, Bill DeMott stepped in? Why didn't anybody step in and say, hey, whoa, stop, easy, easy? You know what I'm saying? Nobody did. Nobody did. But in the wrestling business, accidents are going to happen. You're going to get a black eye. You're going to get a bloody lip. Stuff like that happens. As long as you don't knock somebody's teeth out. I didn't knock his teeth out. I didn't break any bones. I gave him a black eye and a bloody lip. And that was a complete accident. It was not nothing intentional which and that's just how it is and 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 uh but yeah it was it and the thing is is people like when al was doing his interviews and stuff he was like you know he was talking about it and it's like okay well because al was really upset with me about it and so and bill he was kind of on the fence about it 
And it's like, well, why didn't you guys step in and stop me if you guys thought it was so bad? Now, mind you, when I had a cracked vertebrae in my neck, and when I went and did that episode for MTV, I was in a lot of pain myself anyway, and because they sent me to L.A. to do that first. Then I had to go to San Antonio. I stepped in that ring because they told me to. The WWE basically sent me there to get in and, and do, be part of that show and, and, and wrestle and do what I did or whatever. And I got in the ring with a cracked vertebrae. And then people are going to get upset because I gave Matt a black eye and a bloody lip when I could have just taken one bump wrong or done, just moved the wrong way, and I could have been paralyzed just that quick. But yet I still went out and did my job and never, never complained about it or anything. And it's just funny how to listen to people get upset because somebody got a black eye and a bloody lip. So yeah, it's crying about Lesnar. No, I, I did not at all. Not at all. You know, and then when Kurt Angle broke my arm, I didn't cry about that. So accidents happen in wrestling. That's just the nature of the business. And when people are going to get upset about it, it's like, then why are you even watching it if you're going to get upset if somebody's going to get black eye? But it's going to be talked about forever. It's I'm surprised. It's still brought up all the time and it's like gosh that was a long ass time ago so it's like geez but it, and it sucks because when that happened i could i could um uh, at that time before social media started really exploding and the internet started really exploding um one of the writers called me at home and said because I was out for 13 months with my neck surgery and uh, one of the writers, it was actually Brian Gerwitz that called me and he said, right now, he said, I wish we could capitalize on you being out because right now you're the biggest heel that we have because of the whole thing with Matt. And I'm like, Oh my God, my timing is horrible, horrible. But you know, it is what it is. And like I said, I, Matt, cause when me and Matt, after the whole thing, Matt understood and everything, and you know he he realized it wasn't intentional, it was it was a total accident and everything. And like I said, me and Matt are good. We he we've always been cordial to each other, and we even hell we even worked with each other for a while after that. So I don't know why people still get upset about it. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Hmm. So that's a, that's a new generation of fans for you. I think they're getting a little bit soft. They're, you know, this is not like the old days where, uh, you know, you want guys to stiff each other. They're a little bit more gymnastic-oriented now, a little bit more high-flying. Yeah. The hard-hitting days are somewhat behind us, unfortunately. Right. And see, I, and see with me, the way I like to um, work is I like my stuff to be as believable as possible without being real. And that's why I am rough, but I don't hurt anybody at the same time because – I have never hurt anybody to the point where they've had to miss any work whatsoever because I was so rough. I've always taken care of everybody I worked with. And so I don't know where this whole thing is that I always took privileges with people and stuff like that. I don't know where that, that just somebody 
thinking that I'm just too rough or whatever, but I wasn't. But see, the thing is, I welcome it back. I like people to be rough back with me because the thing is, in, in the wrestling world, if I hit you hard, you're allowed to hit me just as hard. And that's just the way, it's a gentleman's agreement. That's just the way it works. And uh, because it's not right if, uh, if, if I was rough with somebody, really rough, and then they got rough back with me, and then I got pissed off because they were too rough with me. That, see, it doesn't work like that. And it's like if I'm rough with somebody, they have all the right to be rough back with me and, and, and work with me the way I work with them. And that's what I like. I welcome that. And so, but just, and just, because I want people, I want my, like I said, I want everything to be as believable as possible without being real. And uh, I've, I've always think everybody, I've, if, if you think back, John, think back, there's not one person that I have ever worked with that has been out, put on the shelf because of me. I've, I've always taken care of everybody that I've worked with. And two, if, if I was hurting guys, Vince, again, Vince would have fired me a long time ago. So I wouldn't have lasted as long as I did. So. Absolutely. It's all about looking real and taking care of the other guy, but not actually really, you know, hurting them as far as like what Lesnar would happen. Obviously angle was more of an accident, but with kind of Lesnar being a little bit, Reckless or a little bit careless? No, he wasn't. It was just it was one of those things where, uh, and see that's how shit gets started right there. What you just said. How do you know he was being reckless? How do you know that? Well, yeah, true. I don't know for sure. Right, and that that's how shit gets to people. Just like that, say, oh, you know, he was reckless or he doesn't take care of something. That's not what that wasn't the way it was at all, John. It was. He went, our timing was off on the whole thing because when he went up to power, because the whole move that was supposed to take place was he was supposed to go for a power bomb. I was going to flip up, land on my feet. He was going to charge me. Or I, he was going to throw, go throw a clothesline. I was going to duck, hit the, or hold on. He, I land on my feet. He goes to run at me and throw a clothesline. He comes back, hits the ropes, and I drop kick him. Because if you go back and watch it, we do the move again to where I drop kick him. And um, um, our timing was off because I thought he was getting ready to pull me up. So I started to kind of lift up. And as I was lifting up, I was come as I lifted up thinking he was going, he wasn't go, he didn't go. So my body weight came back down as it was coming back down. He went to lift up. And so as he picked me up, I tried to reach to grab the back of his head, and I couldn't get the back of his head. So, and he was trying to hold me the best he could, and and he just ended up, you know, he didn't drop me. He was holding on to me the whole time. It's just the way I landed. I tucked my head, and it just it just jackknifed me. And that, but that's that's the that's exactly what happened because he felt horrible about it because he came back in the locker room. And he was he was really upset about because he thought he'd really hurt me bad. And uh, I told him, I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. He, Cause I know he didn't do it. Cause I said, you did. He, Cause Johnny kind of got on him a little bit about it. He started yelling. I told Johnny, I was like, no, I said, Johnny, leave him alone. I said, he didn't do it on purpose. He goes, I know he can't be hurting guys though. And it's like, he didn't do it on purpose. My God, what part of that don't you understand? And then Johnny finally went out of the room, locker room. And, uh, but I told Brian, I was like, don't worry about it, man. Shit happens. Accidents happen. 
So, but like, and he even called me in my hospital when I was after my surgery. He called me, check on me. He called me at home and checked on me and stuff like that. So, there was never it was there was never no intentions on either parties of what happened. You know, it just it's just an accident. Shit, shit happens in wrestling. Accidents happen. Right. Right, probably you poorly know, worded by me. They're reckless. More like it was just right. Like it was more like an accident, but it did lead to obviously 13 months off. But when you came back, it kind of was a cool little story that you get got a title shot against Lesnar. It was almost like it was yeah. a cool little buildup that, that that you you know you're you're getting that title shot after being along out uh, that yeah. extended period of time. Yeah, it was, and and I was kind of disappointed it was over when it was over. It was over. You know, we didn't get. I thought they were going to just kind of do more with it, but they didn't. And that's just, that's wrestling business. That's the way it goes, you know, and wrestling is full of uh, ups and downs. It's a wave of emotions. And, uh, and if you don't understand that the wave of emotions, then you don't need to be in the wrestling business because there's going to be a lot of disappointment along the way. You're not always going to get what you want. And that's just the way it is. And I, I was just, you know, I was making good money anyway, so it didn't matter to me. And plus, the whole time I was out, Vince took good care of me anyway. So I was I was being paid as if I was still working. So, you know, I didn't I didn't lose out on nothing. I lost out on TV time, and that's that's a big deal. But as far as my pay, I I got paid every week as if I was still working. So Vince and Vince paid all my hospital bills, everything. Not one dime came like, out of my pocket, which, so. which is great. Um, uh, you know, WWF's part and, and Vince for sure. As I start to wind it down a bit here, I just gotta say uh, I did get the Hardcore Truth, the Bob Holly story book. I'm in the process of reading. I got it autographed by you. That was the first step. Now I'm starting starting to read it and starting to go. Through. Oh, I thought you had. I thought you had already read it. No, no, I'm 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 only basically um, through Marcel Pringle. I'm kind of going through Gulf Coast and going through your welding days. Oh, okay, and, okay. And and I'm up to like the WOW stuff and, and the Ron Starr stuff. So I'm slowly, slowly uh, getting into getting into the book. But it's real cool, and, and I love it. And I read a review from Meltzer saying that he loved like the honesty of it and this and that. I just love how brutally honest you are, not only in person when you meet you, but the book. I mean, it really uh, like meeting you. It really, it's like man, personality. You know, there's no bullshit, and you know you're not making anything up in the book, like maybe some other books might might have in there. Right, and and I didn't have no agenda when I wrote it either. I just I wanted to write it, get my story out there, and. And credit to Ross Williams because he did a fantastic job putting it together. And that's that. And to me, that's the key because Ross Williams knows wrestling. He, he understands the wrestling world. And, and that was important because if you have somebody that writes a wrestling book that doesn't know wrestling, they're not going to know how to put it together. And he did just a fantastic job. And I can't thank him enough. He did a terrific job. But thank you for reading my book. John, I really appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. And anybody else for that matter, everybody who has read my book or anybody that's going to read my book, thank you very much. Cause I honestly, it's because of the wrestling fan. That's why I could do what I do. And that's why I wrote my book. And if it wasn't for the wrestling fan, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you guys. So I'm very grateful to the wrestling fan because if it wasn't for them, none of us would be here.
a cool thing about your book is not to, to say anything bad about Dynamite Kid, but you read his book and then you see some stuff afterwards that half of it's not true. You're almost like, oh, like I wasted time reading that book thinking that these stories were real and stuff. Yours, you know, it's legitimately your honest opinion and, and it did happen. And I did like the how Ross Williams kind of has that old school flavor to him where, you know, you, you weren't stiff to him in, in a match, but, you know, you were you were tough with him and he was able to right. take a little bit of a beating. And then, you know, he earned your respect. I, I like that part about him. It kind of makes me, you know, not only enjoy the book more, but it kind of have more respect for him. It's like, man, he, this is an old school guy too. Yeah. He, he, uh, and see, that's the thing. It's like, I don't, whoever I work with, I don't change. If, if I, I, I work with each person the same. I work with Ron Simmons the same. I work with Bradshaw the same. I treat those guys just like I treat the next guy. And if if you don't believe me, watch some of my matches. Watch me slap the piss out of Ron and John one night down there at ringside. Um, there's a it's if you if you got the network or whatever, you could pull you could find it. I slapped the ever living dog piss out of both of them. And I don't change whoever I work with. I work the same the whole way, and that's just always the way I've worked. And like again, I. I welcome it too. That's just how I am. But anyway, um, and I give my opinions about certain people, but I also tell the positives about them too. You know, if I, if, if there's a person I don't have too many feelings for or don't care for too well, I talk about that, but I also put them over because most of those guys in WWE are really good. And I'm not going to sit there and say, Oh, they sucked and this and that just because I didn't care for them. You know, I may not care for somebody, but yet they're still very talented and very good. I'm not going to just totally trash somebody. And it's just, that's not what my book was about anyway. So, and when I wrote it, I didn't have any, I wasn't writing it to get a job back. I didn't care. It's like, if they hire me back, then that's, if they want to be back, fine. If they didn't, that's fine too. Cause I'm fine. No, I'm, I'm fine with or without WWE. I had a great career. I had 15 years with them and did my time. And if I don't ever go back, I'm fine. I have no problem with that. I'm, I enjoy doing independence anyways, because I get to talk to people. People can get to know Bob Howard and not hardcore Holly. They get to meet me and talk to talk to the the real per you know real person Bob Ho- Bob Howard and not Bob Holly Bob Hardcore Holly whatever so and uh, gives them a different perspective of how I really am instead of what they see in the ring and with WWE you don't get that they don't get that opportunity so I enjoy doing these independents it gives them, and and plus it's it's fun Indep- doing independents are fun. You have a good time, and you may, you can make some good money too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now I I just have to ask a, a couple favors because you've been a part of the new generation era. I remember vividly you and one two three kid winning the tag titles over Bam Bam and Tatanka. Then I remember you and Crash Holly. You guys win the tag titles. You were win, you winning the hardcore title. Then you and Cody Rhodes in the Ruthless Aggression era, being a tag champ. And then the new ECW, you and RVD tore it down a bunch of times and had some crazy matches. Just got to ask, do you have some favorite matches when you really look back at your career? Oh, I, I have. I loved working with Bradshaw. I loved working with him. 
I guess because I love getting the shit kicked out of me. I think that's why. One of the <laughs> why. Um, I, I, I'm not kidding. I, it, I had a great time working with him because you had to survive. It's one of those deals where, okay, you know who you're working with. So when you're lacing up your boots, it's like, okay, I have to fight to survive this. And I'm going to fight, but I'm going to enjoy getting my ass kicked at the same time. That's kind of morbid, I know, but I've really <laughs> my matches with Bradshaw, and I, I know Bradshaw's not the favorite amongst favorite amongst a lot of people right now. But me personally, I enjoyed working with the guy. I enjoyed working with Ron Simmons. I enjoyed working with Brock. I had a, I really enjoyed working uh, RVD, especially that match where he got my back cut open. I, that has to be close to one of my most favorite matches I've had is with uh, Rob and then um, WrestleMania 15 when I won the hardcore title and the three-way with me, Billy Gunn and, and Al Snow. So that was, that was a favorite of mine. I've had so many matches. I can't remember most of them going in the river was a favorite of mine too, but I think the one that stands out the most is the one with me and RVD. I love Rob. I love Rob to death. And, uh, and I think the Mississippi River. Those are the two that stand out the most to me. And WrestleMania 15, I was actually first row for that, so I remember that pretty vividly that night. Yeah, I got my bell rung pretty good when Billy hit me with that chair. <laughs> All I remember <laughs> is ours after I got hit. And next thing I know, I get, I'm getting my hand raised. That's that's that was a that was that was a fun time with those guys. Now, before we get into, you know, what your favorite color was and your favorite meal and your favorite, you know, <laughs> your favorite exercise move, whatever, I just got to ask this before we wrap it up, before we, uh, we give the old plug for where everybody can find Bob Holly, and that is just picture me now as the, uh, the executive for a loan, and I've got you in front of me, and I'm going to sit there and look you straight in the face, deadpan, and say, why should Bob Holly be on a loan? Because I'm a survivor, and I because I've got great. Because the thing is, it I've got some good, entertaining stories to tell, and it would just be very interesting having me on that show. Just trust me, just trust me. It would be very interesting because I see if I tell you what I'm going to do and why then you'll already know. I want because I want everybody to tune in. Because I promise you because some of the guys you watch on alone right now, they're just kind of it's just kind of humdrum and it's like, "Okay, let's move on to the next guy." Because the whole concept of the show is they give you all this video equipment and you you have to video yourself the whole time that you're out there. So you're constantly dragging camera equipment around and and you've got to constantly video yourself because that's and when they go into post, that's how they put the show together and they get all the video and um, put everything together and try to get the best scenes and everything and best stories and stuff like that. Because I I honestly think that the whole wrestling world would tune in whether they liked me or not, they would tune in to see if I survived or if I would fail. So, and. I can't guarantee I'm not going to fail, 
but that's the chance I want to take. But I I know and I know I can do it, but I don't know. But you just don't know anything can happen out there. That's the thing. That's the beauty of it. Anything can happen. And there's bears out there. There's mountain lions. You have all kind of predators, wild boars, everything. So your back's against the wall when you're out there by yourself. And you don't have any firearms or anything. So, but yeah, I just, it would be very interesting TV, I promise you, if I get on that show. And because, we, and uh, like I said, like I said, the whole concept is you have to constantly video yourself 24 hours a day, I guess, except when you're sleeping. But, um, yeah, as soon as you wake up, you got to turn that camera on and start filming yourself doing things, surviving, fishing, uh, foraging your food, building, making traps, building your fire, building your shelter. Main thing is just trying to get food. That's the main thing. And um, so, and see, I, as, a, as a person that works out all the time and, and I shave my leg, shave my arms, I shave my chest, shave my face, I'd probably come out of there looking like a bear, a hairy bear. So <laughs> it'd be interesting to see the transition from the first day I'm there. And if I happen to be there 30, 40, 50 days in to see what I look like the 50th day, probably be called the incredible shrinking mask. Cause see what I would probably do is I know what I would do is I would make weights out there. I would carve me some weights out of, I'd chop trees down and, and do the best I could to make a, uh, a gym in, in the forest some way, somehow. So that way I could, sustain some sort of muscle mass in any possible way I can because obviously there's no you're not gonna be able to work out out there or do anything so I would be working out out there and it would be pretty damn entertaining I'm sure so but well, hang on you didn't let me finish what I was saying as an executive for a loan I've now thrown a wrinkle into the competition and that is there is one current WWE executive who used to be a wrestler on the roster who is hidden somewhere in the woods, and you have to find him. Do you think you'll be able to find him by one characteristic trait on his face? You give me a fucking compass, and I'll find anybody. <laughs> I'll find well, him. I promise I'll find him. Because first of all, he's got to come out because number one, he's got to he's going to starve. So, oh, I'll find him. Trust me, because if this first of all, if this ex executive gets dropped in the woods, obviously he doesn't know his way around, so he's going to be lost and scared, and he's going to be looking for companionship. <laughs> I think we dropped him on the set of Naked and Afraid uh, rather than the set of Alone. They, they, can, they, can have, they can have Naked and Afraid. How about you, Ian? How about we put you out there and let me try to find you? Uh, all you got to do is find the closest tree. Uh, I'll be on the highest limb I could get to. Uh, so if you can get to me up there and you can save, I will jump down into your arms like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy and you can get me out of there. <laughs> And you know what I would do with you? I'd use you as bear bait. But I was the biggest Bob Holly fan in 96. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I got to oh eat. Gosh. 
I got to eat. You do, but I'm, I just, I, you know. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. Yeah, what can you say? <laughs> Feast or famine, I get it. But, Bob, obviously this has been awesome. We were uh, we were dying to get this done. And please, before we let you go, share with the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling just where they can find anything and everything in the world of our good buddy. I'm going to say it again, Bob Holly. Hey, you um, you can find me on Twitter, at the Bob Holly. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram, but I do have Twitter, and you can find me at, at the Bob Holly. And I everybody that does tweet me. And if you don't believe me, you can ask anybody that's tweeted me. That uh, I do, I do talk to them. If I don't get to you right away, I will eventually get to you because um, uh, I do talk to everybody. And, and uh, as long as they're pretty civil with me and don't get too uh, too crazy, because I, I I avoid tweets like that. Anybody that tries to browbeat me or anything i just avoid them they just go away so i don't let them get to me because they're not worth my time but anyways uh you can find me at ask the bob holly and um i will if you have any questions or whatever i'll answer them or and uh, i do tweet everybody so um i hey thanks ian thanks john for having me on your show i appreciate it and john um if you need anything just let me know and i'll get back to you as soon as i can i promise <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> don't say it. You know what's funny? I, I, I want to bring this up real, really quick because I got to go. And because um, I was coming out, I came out to Jersey for you guys, for John and and, and you, Ian. And um, the, I guess it was a week prior to catching my flight, John called me and sent me, he called me and he sent me a text called me a couple times and I never answered him because he just wanted because John wanted to make sure I, everything was okay before my flight and that I, everything was going to, I was going to be there and everything. And I was kind of messing with him. I felt bad, John. <laughs> I did apologize to him. But um, because sometimes, you know how the boys are, they, sometimes they just don't show up, but that's not me. But oh, I was yeah. just, I was, I wanted to mess with, <laughs> it was kind of funny because I wanted to mess with you a little bit. And I told you about that. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I let you know the day before the flight, but it was kind of funny cause you were kind of freaking out because you didn't hear from me. So yes, good. That, that was definitely a good rib, but Kevin uh, no. Thorne got me a little nervous. He's like, well, if you haven't heard from him yet, I would be a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin didn't help matters. None. That's for sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. Kevin said to me, he said, if you don't hear by Bob by Thursday, be nervous. And we heard from you, I think, on Wednesday, so it was all good. Was it Wednesday? Okay, I was going to – I wanted to hold out till Thursday, and I was like, okay, I can't do that to those guys. So, but, hey, thank you all guys good, for having though. me. Good. It was fun. It was fun, and um, eventually I'm sure you'll get me back on here one day. Oh, yeah. So, but anyway, Ian, John, thank you guys very much, and everybody out there, thank you for listening. And, again, you can reach me at the Bob Holly on Twitter. And uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.